I don't know about you guys, but when I left yesterday, I went to the house, and as soon as I got to the bed, I sat down and fell over and went to sleep for a little while. I was tired. A lot of hard work this week, and we again, we appreciate everything that everyone has done. But tired is part of life, is it not? I mean, we work day in and day out, it seems like, and it seems like we just can't always get the rest that we need. But that's what I want to talk to you about today is rest. We're going to start a new series of sermons. It's something new that we're going to start working on, or at least it's new on my part. I understand that the last pastor did series sermons. But what we're going to start talking about is how we grow in God. And the first step that we're going to uh, take into consideration is our need for rest. Today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 32. The Word of God says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure to even eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you again, and thank you for the time that you've given us to gather in your house, for the freedom that we have to to come into these doors without fear of harm or persecution. Help us to relish that freedom that we've been given. And Father, today I ask that you be with me and give me guidance and words of hope and inspiration. Empty me of my desire to speak my own will, but fill me with your spirit that every word I speak would be pleasing to you and would be for the benefit of your children. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I am accustomed to working long hours, or at least I used to be. Many times in my life I've worked two jobs. Somebody was talking with me. Not, not too long ago about the condition of society and, and they were pointing out that it's almost impossible for anyone to be able to afford housing in today's world working one job and well my response to that was we'll get a second job because that's what I did ever since I was 16 years old it didn't kill me but it did get tired and when you get to the point of, of being broken from exhaustion you just kind of fall over you can't function anymore and our spiritual life is like that sometimes, I think. When we think about the disciples and what was going on here, we don't have the backstory just yet. And truly what had been going on was Jesus had called the twelve, and he trained them and taught them and sent them out into the towns to preach and teach and to heal. They were performing miracles, and they were caring for people all around them, oftentimes strangers. And that is tiring work just like anyone else's job. It takes a a toll on the body and the mind. And I love that that when they came and gave a report to Jesus about all that they had done, that, that Jesus did something that I think every manager or supervisor should do, and that is to see the needs of the people that that serve them. And he said to them, this is what I want you to do. I understand that at this stage, you have not even had time to sit down and consider your own life. I understand that, that at this point, you've not even had time to take a leisurable moment to consider the enjoyable things in the world. You've not even had time to sit down and eat. I want you to do this. I understand that all this work is over here. This still has to be done. 
on top of all the work over here that you've already performed. But I want you to know this. It's okay to stop working sometimes. When your task is done and your mind and your body and your spirit is tired, there comes a time when you have to walk away from it. You have to take a break because your mind and your body and your spirit needs rest. And it's odd to, to hear somebody say that about God's work, isn't it? Because we think that God's work is something that, that is continual, that we should do 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And you are absolutely right. But part of that work is taking time to take care of ourselves. Jesus showed us that when he said to the disciples, go and be by yourselves. But here's what I want to point out. When we take this into consideration and we want to take that opportunity to leave our workplace or, or just the pressures of the world and go away somewhere the thing that we need to do is go away somewhere alone with God that's the important thing well, a lot of times what will happen is this, is we'll load up our deer stand and our rifle and we'll go out into the woods and we'll sit in the tree and we'll wait for that deer to come by. But, but the problem with that concept is that we're not focusing on God. We're thinking about that deer that might be coming along. The moment we find a little bit of peace or a little bit of sauce, we hear the footsteps of some animal that's walking in the woods. And that immediately takes our mind and our attention away from the things of God. Anytime we walk away from our duties and responsibility for the purpose of rest, we need to ensure that we are doing that. Ensure that, that God comes first in our lives and in every aspect of everything that we do. We keep God first. We keep God central. Everything else falls into place. But it's our choice to do these things. We call it spiritual discipline because it's something that we, we cause ourselves to do. It's not something that we do naturally. I walk away from this pulpit every Sunday with the intent of getting away from all work. Not just in the physical form, but, but even in the, the mental and spiritual form. Because I know that my mind has to have time to rest. And I know that yours does as well. And if we think about it like this, then maybe we can understand it just a little bit better, how important it is for us to get rest. Because we all want to become strong Christians. We all want to become closer to God. We want to have a better understanding of God. Do we not? I think we do. But, you know, if I go to the gym and I start exercising, and I'm doing curls or, or bench presses, which we all know I don't do, but if I did, and while I'm there, my arms and chest would start swelling up some. That's because the muscles are being exercised and pushed and the blood is starting to flow into those muscles a little bit more. And there's, there's acid that runs through your body that helps expand everything. And you think that during that time of exercise that, that that's when your muscles, muscles are building and becoming stronger. But in reality, it's not. You're pulling them and, or you're pushing them further than they've probably gone before. But when the muscles really start growing is when we start to rest, when we put down the weights and stop putting stress on the body. You see what happens, those muscles begin to expand, those fibers start losing protein, and when you lay down at night or you stop and begin to take things easy and take the stress off from your body, those muscles and proteins become, start to become thicker and larger. 
And it's because they're having time to rest and heal. So it's important that when we exercise our spiritual lives, that we take the time to rest and heal. You can read your Bible all day long, and you can have an understanding of what is being taken in. But until you put the Word down and step away and take God with you into that time of solace and solitude, and let God speak to your heart and mind, and let, the, and let God's Word become part of your life, it's then that that Word starts to become part of our very being. The Word says that, that God will write His words upon the tablets of our hearts, and I think that that's how He does it. Many times we think that, that God's just going to miraculously from heaven put His words in our hearts and mind, and, and we're just going to know it. But it doesn't work like that. Like that. We actually have to discipline ourselves to, to pick up that Bible and read it. To begin to understand who God is and how He works in our lives. I can tell you all day long what God means to me. But I want to hear what God means to you. So I recommend to you that after reading the Word of God and after doing His work in the church and in the community, take the time to, to step back. To be alone with God. And let him minister to you. And let him take those words that you have read and those deeds that you've performed and the actions that you've seen and let them strengthen you in understanding and in heart. One of my favorite passages of scriptures comes from the book of Psalms. And, and unfortunately, in my opinion, we use this psalm as a funeral uh, reading called Psalm 23, and I think it's unfortunate that, that Psalm 23 is known for funerals because it's such an empowering passage of Scripture that speaks to us about how God works in our lives and about the reality of life. David starts out, and he points out the most important thing that, that any Christian needs to understand, that the Lord is my shepherd, that I am in this world not alone, but I am here with somebody who goes before me and prepares the way, that I am here in this world with somebody that guides and directs, and I am here with somebody in this world that provides my every need. Because you see, not only is the Lord my shepherd, but in his words, he promises me this, I shall not want. And when we think about I shall not want in our time, we oftentimes think about our, our physical or our material possessions. And we as a church are going to start taking that idea and we're going to put it back into the world where it belongs because God doesn't promise riches and wealth to everybody for being good. Many of Christians have given their lives in poverty and many of Christians have given their life in death for nothing more than the sake of God. That is what they received in this world with salvation. But we count our blessings in this way, that when we close our eyes on this side of eternity, we awaken in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But it's a long journey, is it not, to get there. We have a lot of work to do to prepare ourselves, to work toward 
moving into the image of God as we mature as Christians. But again, it's a tiring thing. And God doesn't want us just working all the time. And David tells us that in this passage where he tells us this, that he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. And I can't help but think of the time that I was growing up when I read that. Because I grew up in the country. I grew up on a dirt road and I was literally surrounded by pastures. There were pastures in front of me. There were pastures to the left of me. There were pastures to the right of me. And there were pastures behind me. And I remember that as a kid, all the times that I would meet with my cousins out in those pastures to play softball or football. It was a time of rest and a time of relaxation. But beyond those pastures was the woodland. And we had a magical place in that woodland that, that my family and friends found. And it was an area where, where two streams come together and block off this one lot of land. And we would go down to that lot of land many a times as a family or as individuals to take a break from the reality of the world that we lived in. See, the word says that the heavens declare the glory of God and his creation that surrounds us. We see him in it every day. And as we sat in that chair or lie in that hammock and listened as the winds blew through the pines and heard the water as it trickled down over the rocks, it was an impossible task to sit there and not consider the things of God. See, he leads me beside still waters. To me means this, that though we are faced daily with tasks that can be difficult and taunting, that God prepares a time and a place for us to be alone with him and a place where we can acknowledge his existence and again where he can touch our hearts. says that he restores our soul and leads us in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. And I love that, that David ends that stanza on that note, for his name's sake. Because it reminds us that, that in this world that it's not always about us. We as individuals and we as a group of people in a community are not the center of the universe but that we are people that are called to declare the glory of God to the lost and to the dying and to bring them into the, church, into the house of God that they may come to know and understand the miracles that God works in the hearts and the souls of his children. It is for his name's sake that we are given the witness and the testimony to take out into our communities because it's a good name. And it's a name that, that we can depend upon and a name that we can trust. If I tell you that every day that I'm going to come over here and I'm going to unlock that door, and after a week or two, you're going to come to have confidence in knowing that every day I'm going to come and unlock that door. But the day that, that you show up and I have not unlocked that door, I've lost meaning to my name. Have I not, Jerry? Jerry? 
I'm not as dependable as you thought I was. But when we put our focus on God and God alone in all things and put all of our hope and our trust and our care in him, that he does the right things in our lives according to his purpose and according to his will, then we become to understand that God can be trusted. He is our father. And he is our friend. when we can take from our own lives the desire to to hold on and be in control of every aspect, then we can find rest. You see, we're not like David. David fought many wars and had many people under his charge that he had to care for. He had to carry the burden of of what happened to them in in their community. And he had to carry the burden of what happened to them on the front lines of battle. David had to carry the burden of being sought after by the king that was under his rule. And in the midst of all, He found peace and rest with God. And I think it was the times that that he stopped and stepped away from the battle that he entered a more intimate relationship with God because it was then that, that God was able to speak to him undistracted. It was then that David could dedicate his full attention to him in all aspects of his life. Rest is what we need to grow. Rest is is what we need to, to cause our spirits to become stronger, to face the challenges that are before us each and every day. But there's another type of rest that, that we are in need of. And we think oftentimes that people who are running from God, when we use that statement are people who have yet to come to know God's grace. That God is calling out to them to to bow their knee, that they would receive the gift of salvation, but but for some reason they they continue to, to fight and put it off and struggle. And they don't understand that peace at all until they bow that knee and cry out to the blessed name of Jesus. And that is a true statement. And I do believe that that in that moment of time, they find rest that they've never known before. We've all had our own salvation experiences. And many that I've heard have said that that when they called upon Jesus, that that when they gave up the, the Spirit, that they found themselves with a peace that they could never understand. But our experience with God goes beyond that. And our running experience from God goes beyond that moment of time, I do believe. Because, you see, sometimes God calls on us to do things or be places that we may or may not want to. God wants commitment from his children. And we say, you know what, I know. God has called me to salvation. And and I committed to him that that I would listen and I would talk and, and I would hear And I would receive the Holy Spirit. That I would allow the Holy Spirit to come into my heart. I made that commitment. But when God calls us to service, 
I think sometimes a new battle begins within. You know, God may call us to, to go stand on the street corner and start preaching to the people that pass by. But we, will, we as a people will put up every excuse as why not to do what God has called us to do. And that ensuing argument that we put forth is what causes more turmoil and lack of rest in our lives. You see, God called me and many to ministry. And it wasn't an easy fight for me. I can remember the day that, that I stood on that rock at Lake Lanier. For those of you that don't know, several weeks prior to that, I drove my car through a stop sign into three trees head on in, in, a, in a drunken state. And I found myself at, at somebody's house that, that they were going out of town and I'm sitting on the carport at the do steps of the back door and I had been banging on the door and found no one was home. And when I turned and sat down and the blood was pouring out of my mouth and it was coming out of my legs and it was coming out of my side, I said then, God, if this is how I die, then so be it. This is how I die. It wasn't a cry for help and it wasn't a cry for mercy. It was just giving up. But that family that, that had gone out of town, the grandmother had left a bag at home and they had to come home to get that bag and found me bleeding out at their door, doorway. I call that mercy. That my God loved me so much that he put that family in my path at the time that I needed them in my life. But you know, and you would think that that, that is enough to, to wake a person up. And it did. It brought me to salvation, but it didn't bring me to the point of submitting my life to the will of God. A fight continued. And God kept calling and calling, and I kept putting up every excuse that, that God, the path that I'm on is a better path than what you have for me. The path that I, own, that I am on will benefit me and my family better than the path that you have me on. And now this particular day, I couldn't take it. I got in my truck, and I drove to Lake Lanier, and I stood on this rock on the side of the lake, and I cried out to God, what is it that you want from me? And I heard in the heart of my heart, so still small voice, that said this, I want your service. And it wasn't an angry voice, but it was a calming voice. And I still continued put up every excuse. That night when I couldn't sleep, I got up out of bed and I, and I walked out of my bedroom, went to the kitchen, and, and on the back glass of the back door, in the darkness of the night, I could see a reflection of myself. And I didn't see a person who was at peace. And I didn't see a person who was at rest with himself, the world that he lived in, or at peace with God. All I saw was a person that was broken and fighting. But when I went back into that bedroom and I approached my bed, there was like a spirit just, just swept my legs out from under me. My knees hit the ground and I cried out again, what is it, Father, that you want from me? And he said again, I want your service. And it was then, at that point in my life, that I said to God Almighty, with my heart of hearts, I will go where you call me to go. 
And you see, I think that's where some of us are at sometimes in our lives. When God wants us to, to make a commitment to something, but the war continues within us. When we think that just receiving the, the gift of salvation was good enough. Or we think that giving God a little bit while we hold on to our other life back here is enough. You see, truth is God wants it all. And he doesn't want all because we don't know what we're doing with our own life. He wants it all so that he can give us his all. He wants to give us every blessing in life that he can afford. But that requires us submitting to his will. We think too many times that, that our thoughts or our ideas or our plans are better than the will of God. And, you know, I think we, we, we think that sometimes because we in our own mind and our own hearts can project into the future and see what tomorrow looks like. And we may be accurate or we, we may not be accurate. It's a 50-50 shot, to be honest with you. But I know this. I would rather put my trust and my life in the hands of the one that knows tomorrow and walk under his guidance and his protection and in his grace than at the risk of running life at my best guess. And I think that when we encounter that part of our life and that war is going on inside of us and that fight continues, We find a life where there's no peace. But Jesus said this, Come to me, all of you who weary and are carrying heavy burdens, for I will give you rest. You see, we give our lives over to Jesus, and we submit to the will of God. When we do this, when we take every care and every concern, give them to God. Say they're yours. Do with them as you will. For this day forward, I will follow you no matter where you lead. find rest at that point in your life. Not only do you lose the, the burden that you carry with the weights and the doubts and the fears, but you take upon yourself a spirit that offers mercy and hope for tomorrow and that and we live under the promise that Christ made of having a life of abundance. And I want to say again that the promise of abundance has nothing to do with our financial status or our material gain. But it has everything to do with the experiences that, that we have when we walk with God as we grow in his image. You see, we need rest to recover from the day's events. And we need rest 
in order to fully focus on God. And we need rest in order for our spirits and our hearts and our minds to grow stronger. And we need rest as God moves us forward into his walk. And if we surrender all to God, in rest we shall find. For Christ says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today and thank you again for the opportunity that you have given us to gather in your house. And Father, as we prepare to, to go out into the world, let us take with you the spirit of rest that, that comes from you, that experience that we have when we surrender our life to you in full, knowing that we trust you with all aspects. And Father God, as we approach this time of Holy Communion, let us remember the, the work that Christ has done in this world when he walked upon this earth, how he brought love to the loveless, how he gave sight to the blind, and how he brought healing to those that were in need. How through his sacrifice, we are brought back into relations with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. At this time, I invite you to uh, join me as we prepare for Holy Communion. We have the readings up here on the screen. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice. In union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Now I invite you to pray with me as Christ has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. But lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I think about that night that Jesus came to the table with his disciples to celebrate Passover. Now, think sometimes about what it was that was going through his mind when he saw the bread and saw the wine. See, I think that he knew the torment that, that he was going to have to face and experience on our behalf. But I think that when he looked at that bread, 
as a symbol of his body, he knew that the breaking of that bread would bring rest and peace to his children. Father, we ask that you pour out your spirit upon all of us gathered here today. Pour out your spirit upon these gifts of bread and wine. Make them to be for us the body and blood of Christ. That for the world we may be Christ redeemed by his blood. Father, pour out your by your spirit, make us one with Christ, make us one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes again in his final victory. And we feast in his heavenly kingdom. Your son Jesus Christ, with your Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours now and forever. Amen. On the night in which Christ gave himself up to us, he took bread, gave thanks to the Father, broke the bread, gave to his disciples and said, Take this all of you. This is my body. Give for you. And after supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks to the Father. He gave to his disciples and said, Take and drink and dissolve me. This is my blood of me. It was poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink and dissolve me. And as often as you do, with Holy Communion, come forward. And with the ushers, come forward, please. At this time, we would like to extend the invitation for all who would like to take part in Holy Communion to come forward as late.
anyone else who would like to be served where they're seated? Father, through the Holy Communion, we remember the sacrifice that Christ gave for us at the cross at Calvary. We remember the, the love that was expressed. We experience the grace that flows through him. Let communion be for us today. Not just a remembrance of what Christ has done, but, but empower us to go out into the world empowered by your spirit to be a witness to those who are in need. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord lift up his counts upon you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>